Hey everybody, welcome to the Stewardship Simplified Podcast, the place where pastors, practitioners, and partners come together to talk about the realities and challenges of giving and stewardship today and what's coming up tomorrow. Hear from experts in generosity and leadership as they share their insights on best practices, trends, and resources. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the Stewardship Simplified podcast. This is Rick Wheeler, and I am so excited today because we have a very special guest that uh, I'm going to introduce, a very good friend of mine, Pastor Tim Maynard. Uh, Pastor Tim pastors uh, Fruit Cove Baptist Church just south of Jacksonville uh, and a, a blessing and a mentor in my life. And we get in this conversation We dive into the benefits of being at a church for a long period of time. He's actually pastored almost 30 years at the same church. And so that's such a blessing and things that we can learn from. We also get into cultivating a culture of giving and stewardship as a life habit and uh, the pastor's role and leadership's role in that in the life of a church. So it's a wonderful conversation. And uh, speaking of stewardship and generosity, now's a good time to remind you at Florida Baptist Financial Services, we are praying for and pursuing a movement of individuals and churches who are maximizing resources for God's kingdom and by following his plan. And so if we can help you in that regard in any way, we'd love for you to reach out to us at floridabaptist.org and see what we can do to come alongside and be helpful. So with that being said, let's jump into our conversation with Pastor Tim Maynard. Welcome, friends, to the Stewardship Simplified podcast. Rick Wheeler here, and I have the honor of a good friend being in the office in our recording studio here in Jacksonville, Pastor Tim Maynard of Fruit Cove Baptist Church. Tim, you and I have known each other um, a long time, I think about uh, 20 years or so, and you've been a friend and a mentor, and uh, quite honestly, we've been through a lot of life's ups and downs together. We have been. And um, (laughs) you've been very instrumental in my life, both in terms of when I went to serve at the local association, and you get all the blame and none of the credit for that. (laughs) And uh, and then uh, walking with me, even counseling me through changes that that even brought me here. So I'm personally very grateful to you. Uh, And I saw we know each other, but uh, uh, first just wanna say welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. My pleasure to be here. Thank you, Rick. Now we've known each other a long time, but for the listeners who uh, do not know the the fame of Pastor Tim Maynard yet, uh, tell us a little bit about your story, uh, how the Lord brought you to Fruit Cove, and a little bit about your tenure there. All right, thank you. Yeah, at uh, this past summer, I, I crossed a threshold of 40 years as a senior pastor, started in Kentucky, uh, was at Louisville at seminary, at the South uh, Southern Seminary there. and I think that's the Southern Baptist? The Southern, Southern Baptist okay. Theological Seminary, sure uh-huh. right yeah, it, it was it was at that place. And uh, had been in an inner city church in Louisville for a couple of years and then got called to a, a rural pastorate south of Louisville, actually a little church in the middle of a soybean field uh, in, uh, in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. Yeah. So it was a great place to begin, a great place to kind of cut my teeth in ministry, had my children there. Uh, great ministry. Didn't want to leave when I left, but uh, God called us then to Florida about 10 and a half years later. And uh, we ended up in Jacksonville, Florida. So I have now been in Jacksonville for about 30 years. So I, I tell this, I've pastored two churches. This is my second one, still learning. And, uh, but at any rate, it's been a great ministry. I, I've, we've had great opportunities. We've had loving churches. We've had nothing but wonderful experiences with both of those. So good. So. 
Thank you. Yeah, and so 30 years in Florida makes you pretty much a, a bona fide transplant. I think so. That I'm not sure. I never saw the official timeline of when that's supposed to happen. Well, yeah. it, it makes so. it, it makes you here longer than most other people uh, that are in Florida. <laughs> so that's that's a. Uh, you mentioned uh, 40 years of pastoral ministry, and I know that you have announced and are working with the church towards uh, your retirement from yes. your yes. senior pastor role there, yes. and. Uh, not retirement from ministry, but from that mm-hmm. particular position. Yes. So just as you reflect back um, of uh, how many years at Fruit Cove again? Almost 30. Almost 30. Coming so, up in January. Okay. So almost 30 years. That's remarkable. Um, and what are, I, I'd love to just, before we get into even some of the issues of stewardship and generosity and how you've cultivated that in the church, mm-hmm. uh, just in, just kind of zoom out a little bit, just in general, um, 30 years is a, is a long time to reflect and to be in one place. And so as you think about that, what are some things that you're most pleased about? And then I might come back and say, okay, now what are some things that maybe you'd want to change or some regrets mm-hmm. that you have? So let's start with positives. What, yeah, what are some things you're well, most pleased about? You know what I, I have, uh, when I came to Jacksonville, I, I didn't have a clear vision. I really did not have, in fact, the, the deacon body that I sat with was interviewed by uh, the first weekend here asked me the first question they asked me was uh, what you know what are you going to build and I said I have no plans to build anything I really I really had not come down I'd built uh, I'd built a sanctuary in Kentucky and done some major renovations but I said I'm not I don't, I don't think I'm a building pastor that's not and yet what has happened over the years is we've built a number of different kind of facilities. So that's that was just a, a bit of a surprise to me. But I did come with an agenda to have a church that was an outwardly focused church. I've always been really adamant that that's the direction we need to go. I've seen what happens to churches when they turn in on themselves, and I was determined. And, and pastors have to lead against that. Yeah. It's not just leading for an outwardly focused church. It's leading against being an inwardly focused one, because I think our tendency is always to kind of turn in on ourselves right. and just worry about keeping our uh, our stakeholders happy. And, yeah. and and that's great. You want to do that to a degree, but at the same time, uh, there's so much that needs to be done. You know, it's yeah. really a, a waste, I think, to just say, well, let's just build another another nice facility for mm-hmm. a few hundred people to come to. So, uh, so I, I've been very, very pleased that the church has gone with that. They've let me do a lot. They have trusted me a lot. They have let me get away with more than I probably should have. Uh, You know, I mean, they let me push the limits on some things and experiment with some things. And, and, you know, and I've, I taught them early on the word experiments are important word because Mm. that means that it could, this could not work. This, what we're doing here made, we just made it step back. So, well, that didn't go well. So we'll just kind of pull back on (laughs) that. And they've always kind of laughed and moved on with me on that. So. Funny, funny story about the growth of uh, the building of facilities. So about 20 years ago, uh, I was serving on staff at a church, uh, Mandarin Baptist, just a few miles down the road from your church. And that's really how we got to know each other a little bit. And at the time, we were growing uh, out of space and needed to build a two-story education building. And like any construction project, it is inconvenient, it's expensive, and it's dusty, and people are having to walk further to get to where they need to go. And people are, you know, not everybody was happy in that moment. And, and you know, I, I would remind them, Tim, every once in a while, uh, because as we were building this two-story uh, education building, I believe you guys were building a three-story education <laughs> building. Down the road. And I said, well... 
you know, feel free to go down the fruit cup, but you know, you know, and so it, we, we had some fun with it. So I, I use that uh, to our benefit from time to time, just so you know. I don't think okay. I'd ever shared that story. <laughs> no, I, I had, uh, you know, I, uh, experiments I had uh, a few years ago. We had an, uh, we had a visit from some pastors in the association that were local pastors and and uh, they wanted to come and look our facility over and just visit and talk about Fruit Cove and where we were. So uh, the DOM at that time introduced me and pointed to the drum cage that was on the platform and said, you know, every now and then Pastor Tim plays drums uh, in the worship service. And uh, a couple of the guys kind of nodded and said, huh, and one old guy stood up and he said, well, you get them with a gimmick, you got to keep them with a gimmick. So, <laughs> and I thought about that a lot uh, I, because a couple of weeks ago I brought sheep into the sanctuary, and uh, I saw that. Yeah, the, yeah, that was that, that went well. You know, that really went a lot better than I than it could have gone. You know how bad those kind of things can right. go. There, there was no cleanup. It required. was a major. It was a major win all the way around. But it was. It was. I was not going to bring them into sanctuary, and I had. Some of the staff goaded me into it and goaded me into it. See, I, I just think know, that could be a really bad idea. Yeah, it so. could have been. See, I wanted to set you up here. I want to give you an I'll easy, I want to give you some low-hanging fruit there to, <laughs> to work with. So, <laughs> Well, as we turn the corner, th- thanks for sharing some of that reflection because uh, it, it is worth uh, thinking about and, and being grateful for. Just a, a long, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see a long tenure of ministry. And when the Lord um, doesn't always allow us to stay in one place, but when he does, it's just a, a blessing to be able to anchor your life um, among a group of people and do life together and see God do some wonderful things. And I've, I've had a front row seat of watching that, and it's been a blessing to me. Um, let's talk about um, some things that you have done. Uh, one of the things uh, to co- incorporate and build a culture of generosity and stewardship, because uh, again, as <laughs> you don't build those kind of things and you don't advance the movement of a church uh, without uh, financially fueling the, that movement. And while um, the budget is not always a, necessarily a spiritual document, it, it does reflect uh, God resourcing the vision of the church. And so I know that's been something that has been a part of your ministry. It's something that you have um, taken seriously and done very specific things. So I want to talk about um, with 30 years at that church, 40 years total pastoral ministry, um, what do you think some of the key ingredients are of cultivating the stewardship culture? Just what are what are the, some of the key ingredients that you've experienced in your time at Fruit Yeah, well, you know, I, I, it's, a, uh, it's a cliche, but you know, there is a top-down process. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the leadership has to embrace it and has to not only embrace it, but champion it. The, the leadership has to speak into it mm-hmm. and model it, but also, you know, kind of fl- fan flame, I guess, if you would. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I, went, I was in school when the, uh, the seeker-sensitive movement was beginning, and, and uh, in fact, Rick Warren had a table set up on the sidewalk one day at Southern Seminary looking for staff members. So, so I, uh, you know, it was happening at that time. We've come a long way. Well, a bit, a bit, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was that long ago. Yeah. But, it, you know, the, that movement was, was a pushback against some of, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to pillory it and say it's done damage, but it, it certainly dinged our approaches to stewardship in okay. terms of, 
you know, let's don't talk about money or we don't talk about money here. And it pressured a lot of, of guys in churches, I think, to just go, well, we don't want to talk about money either then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I never bought into that. I never believed that. But it was also I saw it happening in some really negative ways in some guys, you know, that, mm-hmm. that just wanted to be cool, wanted to be acceptable, want to go, well, we want to be kind of seeker friendly too, seeker sensitive. So we don't right. want to, you know, beat people up over money. And, and I was going around doing conferences with some guys just saying, you know, we need to talk about money. I mean, we, you've got, you will talk about money at some point. You're yeah, going to have to yeah, yeah. In, a, in a positive way or a negative way. I would rather say, let's be proactive and let's talk about it in a positive way. Uh, and, and rather than have to just beg for money in a negative way because right. we haven't talked about it and therefore now we're in a deficit. We got to start having some hard conversations. So. Okay, thank you. So, so let's talk about some of the ways that you have proactively um, initiated this conversation. Because I, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think there's just a number of barriers. People don't, pastors and people don't feel comfortable uh, stepping into that space and just standing yeah. there mm-hmm. and saying, "This is what the Bible says. Yeah. This is what this means." So, so just you know, just get real practical. What what are just some real uh, uh, practical steps that you've taken over the years that you have found helpful? Well, first of all, I, you know, even before uh, before I was in ministry, uh, I was committed to stewardship. My wife and I, when we first got married, uh, you know, one of our initial conversations about budgeting, et cetera, was we are going to tithe. You know, we are going to do that and work that out. And that commitment got challenged when we went off to school. I quit my job. Our income dropped into less than half. And we were having to set up housekeeping in a new city and, you know, finish up a college degree before I went to seminary. Uh, and we started looking at the budget. Uh, I'll tell you the moment. I remember it very well. I was sitting in my Mustang, too, with no air conditioning and no, you know, it was a neat little car. I, I can feel and smell that moment. Yes, there's a moment. Well, I'm, and I'm sitting <laughs> and I'm actually sitting in the car. I'm doing I'm doing math on our budget. I'm looking at our budget. And by the time I finished, I, I knew that if we really, really, really pinched pennies and did well, we would end up about $200 a month in deficit. I mean, there was no way there were, we were going to ex- excel on, you know, we couldn't do it. And so we had to talk. I, I said, I said, we got to decide because this is what it looks like. Uh, I don't know how, you know, I mean, I'll work, we'll do whatever we can do, but, this is what it's going to look like, and and uh, if we continue this commitment, mm-hmm. and and I and I don't know if it was Pam, if it was me, but we we decided we came out of that going, well, we're not going to not tithe. We we have to do, you know, okay. we're either going to believe this stuff or not. Mm-hmm. So we decided to trust the Lord and believe it, and I do not have any idea how month to month. We made it. Now, we didn't make it well. We weren't on top of things. I mean, our big night, we, we would once a month save up enough money to go to Red Lobster mm-hmm. uh, for a dinner. That was our big moment out. That was it. I mean, we, we you know, were austere on some other things. But we made a commitment. You know, in other words, it, it, I saw it working in my life. Right. And, and I saw it working in profound ways in my life. And, and I, you know, I know God blessed in a whole lot of ways other than the bank account, the financial piece. I get that. But, you know, I really saw it there. I mean, it was just like, okay. It was like the Lord was showing me this is this is what you do. So we never stopped. We just said, okay, we're going to do this. Right. And and so so the, I think it comes – part of it comes down to 
if the leader is not convinced that this is something that needs to be done in their life, right. it's not going to trickle down into their yeah. speaking, preaching, their their yeah. their moral authority in front of the congregation. You have right. to be convinced that this is the truth. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We 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 have no shortage of biblical content to teach and preach from, but at the same time, um, we know that um, uh, when you stand before people and share, uh, hey, folks, I'm. This is what I've experienced. Yeah. This is what I've, uh, yeah. the math didn't add up, but somehow God's math was better than my math mm-hmm. and you survived. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's powerful. All right. Anything else that, that you're doing? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we, from there, I mean, I, I and I don't recall at which point I, I encountered, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was John Maxwell's teaching on stewardship, but I made a commitment early on in my, in my ministry that in my first church that I was going to do a stewardship series once a year. It started out in November. We started doing it uh, three weeks in November. I preached and I told folks, I'm going to speak on giving three times a year. Uh, I'm going to do it back to back. I'm going to do it the same month. And again, I'm buying, you know, somebody else's, this is what they said. They, I thought that sounds like it makes sense. So I thought I would try it. Tim, does that coincide with, a, you know, a lot of times pastors will take January and do a vision cast Sunday? Well, Tuesday. actually, I separated those. I, I didn't, I never had a vision cast, I never had a vision casting sermon per se until I came to Jacksonville okay. and, and started doing that once a year. But yeah, then I, I kind of, you know, we inter, we interwove it mm-hmm. somewhat. Yeah. But I, I was still very clear. I wanted three weeks mm-hmm. that I'm going to talk about money. And, and now if I did like a series on parables yeah. later in the year, that kind of, and I told him, I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not gouging you from, I'm just, mm-hmm. this is where we yeah, are. Right. So Again, this is expository this, yeah. preaching. You're going right. to run into those things. Yeah. But the intentional sermon, this is an intentional sermon on talking about your stewardship and your commitment to give. So that's what that's going to be. <laughs> so how many years, uh, how many years have you done that? I've done that my whole ministry, so I will say 40 years. Uh, I wow. started it the first year I was in ministry and, and uh, started talking about it then. Um, so I, I've, ne- I've never not done it. In fact, one year that it got challenged, uh, it was in November that the search committee from Fruit Cove came to my church in Kentucky mm-hmm. to hear me preach. And of course, you know, you want to, you want to roll out. This was pre-internet day. So they had never heard me. They don't have, you know, they, they had a, maybe a cassette tape of me preaching, but this is their first exposure. So you don't, you don't want to, you want to roll out your sugar stick for that. <laughs> but I'm in the stewardship series and I thought, okay, I had said, we're going to do three, you know, this is, this is, this is pretty much written in stone. We're going to do three weeks. Yeah. So I told, I told the, the, the search command, I said, well, y'all can come. I said, but you need to understand, you're going to get a sermon on stewardship if you come. <laughs> and they said, well, that's fine. Turned out half the committee was like this stewardship committee of the church. So, <laughs> so they work. were, so no, they were quite excited <laughs> when they heard us. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they they loved, no, they loved yeah. it. They, they, uh, they really appreciated that. So, so, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I just don't, I don't weep. And people, I have found, our people, it's like the favorite time. People love it. It's mm-hmm. like a revival. 
uh, and I've, I've said this before, and I, I still think it's true. The Lord blesses my preaching more in those three sermons, I think, than anything else I do. I'm not a great evangelist, but I have evangelistic decisions in the stewardship series. Okay. You know, so, okay. so it's, you know, it's just oh, like, okay, God shows up in, in a, in a, in a kind of an unusual way through that. Wow. So that's exciting. You've been doing this for all these years. Yes. And so the obvious question would be, how so the, the word of God never changes the tr- the biblical uh, principles of tithing and stewardship and generosity have not changed, but the starting point of people over the years yes, uh, perhaps has absolutely. changed. And so yeah, my yeah. question would be, how has approaching this subject, uh, you know, preaching to uh, people who over the years are in a different starting point or a different perspective or influenced or maybe in a different financial condition, mm-hmm. how have you seen maybe that evolve or change? Now, you know, what are you having to do maybe now or not do that you were doing a couple decades ago as you were approaching this subject? Well, I I mean, I think I don't think we're unusual. I think there is a uh, there's a wide disconnect in in most churches between people that are basically struggling right now Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about, you know, buying a tank of gas versus, you know, people that uh, probably have a lot of stock in the in the uh, gas company. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I have, you know, I have that, that kind of gulf of it, it's the, you know, it's the seven ten split and you know, you got to hit, you got to, how do you hit both of those, right. those kind of people, yeah. you know, those that don't sit, they don't sit around and worry about money. Uh, it's, it, they're not struggling for the, you know, for the next, you know, loaf of bread they're going to buy. But, right. And then you've got the people that really are. Yeah. And I've seen that more and more. In fact, I, I made a reference one time in a stewardship sermon about, well, you know, none of us are sitting in here this morning worried about where we're going to go get lunch. Well, I had somebody come up to me afterwards and say, well, just to be honest with you, we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have enough money to our family lunch. I said, well, we'll make sure you do. But, you know, it. but it's just that kind of thing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, I, I think that, again, I, I went from pastoring a church in rural, basically tip of Appalachia kinds mm-hmm. of thinking and, and mentality and mindset to, you know, one of the wealthiest communities in right. certainly the Jacksonville area, but just, you know, just this part of Florida. So, you know, it's it's been a real... You know, it, it's Paul's statement that you know I've learned how to, uh, you know, abound and how to be a base. You know, I've been I've, I've been in both circumstances, and I'm seeing both yeah. circumstances in 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 play here. So. Gotcha, gotcha. And by the way, a resource plug commercial here for mm-hmm. a second. Uh, time for a commercial break. Uh, if you go to our website www.floridabaptist.org, you will find under the resource tab. Uh, I believe three sermons, uh, stewardship sermons that you uh, provided to us uh, a couple of years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. and we've archived them there uh, just to give uh, church leaders and pastors some examples of a way to approach some of these topics from the pulpit. Uh, you know, there's many other things that you can do in the life of a church, but I think we both believe the pulpit is the steering wheel of the church. Uh, the church isn't going to go somewhere if it's not being emphasized right. on yeah. Sunday morning. And, and as you already mentioned, the, the role yeah. of leadership. And yeah. so uh, we wanted to provide those resources. So there's video uh, links in there as well as some of the transcripts of the outline. Not the, that they're going to you know, preach it word for word, but you can certainly get some ideas. And I have ripped you off. 
Oh, with great please, effect. brother, go right ahead. And in. I don't think I've ever given you credit. It's, until it's now. fine. Okay, so, well, I'm, I feel uh, better. I feel, I feel credit. <laughs> so, thank you for that resource, and I want to make our listeners aware of My that. Pleasure. That can be found thank on our you. website. Um, let's talk a little bit, again, some practical things. How do you stay aware of uh, the donors to the church, of people who are contributing, say, at, at a higher level? Yeah, do you have I, an awareness? Do you get an alphabetical list? Or no, you know, we've, you we've never, first of all, you know, we have never, um, we have never, well, I, I, I say never, we one time we used an outside fundraising company mm-hmm. to raise money for a, a building project mm-hmm. one time. Um, and it was not a bad experience. It was not. It, it was not worth the money we spent to do it. But, but one of the things that they pushed really hard was you need to know who the big donors are in the church. Mm-hmm. And what I don't want to do is, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I've heard that before, and I believe that had I gone to our stewardship. Uh, committee or, or, you know, our financial secretary, who was also my executive assistant and, and said, I want to know, you know, clear. I want to, I want to know the top 10, top hundred donors in the church. Who are they? Mm-hmm. Um, they would have done that. I could have said, how much do they give? Uh, they could have done that. You know, one of the things I require, I mean, I, I, there, there's an assumption that if you are on staff at Fruit Cove Baptist Church, you do tithe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an assumption that, and I asked the deacon, I said, there's a couple of things I'm going to ask you to do, and it's going to be kind of legalistic, I guess, in a way, but I'm going to ask you, because you're a leader in the church, you need to tithe, and I, it's going to be hard for me. I can't ask people to do that if you're not doing it. So and I'm by assumption, you. you mean you are, it is a communicated assumption. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. And, and so I can say to people, mm-hmm. our deacons, you know, they, they do tithe. If you're a deacon, you do tithe, and if you're you know, if you're on staff here, if you're getting a check from Fruit Cove Baptist Church, you are tithing. And, uh, you know, so, it, I mean, we emphasize that. And I get a lot of pushback over the word tithe, over using that word, over mm-hmm. the, using that concept. I don't see that. I mean, I don't see that as a moralistic, legalistic kind of mm-hmm. terminology. I don't see it as dead law mm-hmm. from the Old Testament. I see it as a principle that it was never law. It was pre-law. It yeah. was actually yeah. showed up in the Bible before That's the law showed up. So there was a principle in play. It's not a. It's not a law. It's a principle. It's it's a practice. It's a, you know, it's a it's a it's a law of the harvest kind of thing. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that you know you can ignore it or not. It's still going to be valid, right. uh, and whether you advantage yourself with it or not is. That's up to you, but sure. it's there, right. uh, and God put it there as, as a benefit to you. If you turn your nose up at it, then mm-hmm. you can go hungry. You know, or yeah. <laughs> if you want to ignore the law of the harvest or the law of gravity, yeah. you'll hurt yourself with it. And and the same thing is true there. So that again, there are people that that I'm sure some listening to the podcast here who mm-hmm. are uncomfortable with saying, "Well, I'm not going to tell my people they have to tithe." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, you don't have to, mm-hmm. uh, but. I'm just saying it's in the Bible. You're not being legalistic for asking people to tithe. You're mm-hmm. you're telling people, hey, you've got access to a power in your life through the financial resources that God has given you mm-hmm. that will become either acid in your hands and they will they will burn a hole in your life, 
or you can use that as an offering to the Lord. But, you know, you can't, you know, you don't get to be neutral with money. You can't just go, well, I'm just not going to pay attention to it. It's doing something to you whether you want it to or not. Uh, And you can use it as God, you know, I need you to to bless this, to help me deal with this, or uh, it's just going to eat a hole in your soul as you hang on to it. So. So, you know, again, I kind of move in that direction. I don't go, you ought, you have to. This is, you know, about God being pleased with you. This is not about God being pleased. God pleased with you if you don't tie. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You don't have to not do, you know, you don't have to do that. However, if you want God to say, hey, I want to open doors of blessing in your life. I want to pour out on you. Then, then, you know, this is is the opportunity to do that. And, but I I think... um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to ask the amount mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that people were giving. Right. I didn't want to know. I, 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 because I don't, I don't trust myself enough to believe that that's not going to affect how I would minister to those people. Right. And it would make me afraid of them because they're giving that much, right. yeah. or it would make me show favoritism to them because they're giving that much. Um, honestly, when I got the count of how many people were giving at a certain level, I said, I don't want to know the amounts, mm-hmm. but if they're, if they're at this point, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of want to know who, you know, how many we're dealing with here. Right. And I was a little, I was, I was taken aback mm-hmm. by really how few people there are that are actually like big, big, big givers. Right. Yeah. We have some, but it is a very, very minimal number mm-hmm. to, to, to what I would have assumed would right. have been. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a little bit shocked about that. Mm-hmm. And most people, it's just a lot of faithful, mm-hmm. normal givers that yeah. are that yeah. are kind of making it happen. But bread, you know, bread and butter. Yeah. Kind of, you know, but uh, but we do. You know, we did. Uh, you know, we did have to come at them a little bit and go, "Hey, we're we're trying to do some special things with." some building projects or a mission project, whatever, we mm-hmm. would pull them aside and say, okay. hey, let's, let's go to a meal and let's talk about that. So I would give them some some special attention just to say we really need some extra okay. help here on some things. So, so, so let's dive a, a level deeper on that. What When you had those special conversations, just walk us through the practical steps of what that, not that, that everybody needs to do it the well, way Well, I think, you know, what we've, what we've learned is that people that have money at that level um, – Number one, they don't just give it away or spend it over. I mean, they they need a rationale. Why, why do you want to do? It? They're they're willing to do it. And and what I have found is that it, at least the people that I've encountered in my in in our churches that with that level of giving, uh, they're very generous people. They're very willing to be generous. They're willing to pour out. They're willing to share what they have. Uh, they're they're not clingy. They're not rich because they're clingy. I had I had two of the two of the wealthiest people. In our church that I know of, that I'm aware of, um, were people one one of them lived in a in a very nice neighborhood and house, but if you would look at them, how they dressed, how they drove, how they did things, you would think they're not doing great. Right, <laughs> I mean, you would right. just kind of think that they would just they just weren't the kind of people that just wore it. You know, they didn't they didn't dress themselves yeah. in that way. They didn't you know. Mm-hmm. They didn't uh, drip diamonds and that kind of thing. Uh, the other family lived in a in a in a it had a nice location, a very simple little house. Mm-hmm. They were a couple without children. Uh, they liked to travel some, but they were they were again drove a little Honda Accord. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, they would literally take the leftover coffee on Wednesday nights mm-hmm. from the dinner that we had home with them and drink that leftover <laughs> coffee for theirs. I mean, so they were those kind of people, and you would just look at them and go, oh, man, they, these people are uh, they're, they're, they're just really not doing well. Like Turned out when they died, mm-hmm. they left their entire estate to Lottie Moon. Wow. And, I mean, it was huge. It was mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've learned not to look at people and go, well, they're dressed. Boy, they must have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're dressed that way, you may be broke because you had to go in debt to be dressed that way. You, yeah, know, you yeah, just don't know. Yeah, so, so. yeah which uh, kind of also builds the case of you yeah. You may want to have some sort of uh, general awareness, not maybe specific mm-hmm. awareness, yeah. but general awareness of who's giving to your church. Right. Because it's not always right. who you would assume that exactly. it is. Exactly. That's I what I, yeah. That, that the opposite would be true, that people that you might thought would have been. Yes, maybe exactly right. That's Maybe exactly very vocal right. in the, the church. The surprises were, were very real there. So. <laughs> One last question, Tim, and yeah. thank you for your time. You've been very generous. Um, as you finish up you know, 30 years of uh, mm-hmm. tenure at one church and, and 40 years uh, total of ministry, um, what, what would the now experienced Pastor Tim say to a younger, inexperienced Pastor Tim, or if you were mm-hmm. speaking to a group of younger pastors and saying, hey, when it comes to this area of stewardship and generosity, uh, here would be some admonition, here would be some instruction. Yeah, well, I mean, the two the two mantras I would come back to is, you you, you know, you got to live it and you got to preach it. Mm-hmm. You have to, first of all, it has to be real to you. And, and I go back to that term, that term moral authority. You have to have the moral authority mm-hmm. in your own life that, that nobody knows. I mean, I don't know how many people in at Fruit Cove know that I, t- I say that I, you know, I just tell them, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I do, I believe it. Uh, and our stewardship people know. I, I don't, I don't know how many people just go, oh yeah, he's, he gives this and gives that. Um, I, you know, I really think that the pastor, if possible, should be, you know, one of the, one of the top giver. I mean, one of the most faithful givers in the church, right. certainly, if not the yeah. top giver, but that just gives weight to your preaching. Mm. So when you talk about it, if if there are seven people out there sitting on a committee who go, yeah, I know he knows what he's talking about. He he means what he's talking about here. There's there's a there's a way somehow that that gets out. Maybe gossip. I don't know, but it may be. Hey, mm. this is real to him. Yeah. This is you know, and I think people can see that. They hear it in your voice. They can see it. They know when you're waffling on it, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, and and I've known of pastors who just who don't want to talk about preaching because they don't give or they don't give to the local church. Maybe they say, well, I give, but I give to this organization or that organization, but I don't give to the local church. Yeah. Well, listen, just are you doing what you want every member of your church to do? Mm-hmm. Do you What would happen to you? Would you have a salary if every member of your church did what you're doing? Yeah. So, you know, I'm just, I just say, do what you're asking them to do. Yeah. If, you know, if you want them to give 2% of their income, mm-hmm. then just give 2% of your income and then preach on giving, see what happens, yeah. because they'll probably not go beyond that level for you. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of have to go here. Where do you want to go? Yeah. And then you have to show that is possible and you have to live that, mm-hmm. but then preach it. And and that would be the two things I, I would emphasize. And I would say, you make sure, you know, I would say to even our committee looking for a new pastor, you know, you, you make sure that the next guy is committed in this area or it is going to, yeah. it is going to punch a hole that we can't. Because you, you cannot replace. just blindly assume that just because somebody's a pastor or they're coming right. into serving as a right. deacon or a staff member, that they they cultivated that in their yeah. life. Well, and let me also throw a CP plug in. You know, mm-hmm. I I think that 
I think the church needs to tithe. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and I think our giving to the cooperative program is also, Mm -hmm. you know, a way of our giving away and modeling for people that this is, you know, we believe this on a institution on more of a macro level as well. So, Well, thank you for being that kind of leader, Tim. And because we have walked together, um, there's a one quick story I want to tell on you. Uh, And it was, it happened about eight or nine years ago. And I was serving as a city missionary here in Jacksonville. Your church was partnered with another church on the west side of Jacksonville. And that church was trying to bless a local elementary school. And the principal of that school had had said, we have a need that our kids would have coats for the winter. And what I remember is uh, in that moment, you stood before your church and you said, hey, you're going to go out. This is right around Thanksgiving. Everybody's going to go out shopping after Thanksgiving. And you said, you're going to go uh buy some coats and you're going to go buy uh, things for your kids and for Christmas, go out and buy a coat for this school. And you said, don't go in your closet and get a coat. Some of these children have never had the opportunity to take the the price tag off of a new coat. And you said, uh, let's do that. And you put out, your church put out these big barrels and, and you guys just filled those things up. And it was literally hundreds of coats that these children got in. And I, I'm reminded of that to say, when you do the things that you've been talking about, you can stand before your church and say, hey, folks, we need to step up and do something. And they respond that way. So thank you for being that kind of a leader and uh, leading others to give gener- generously as well. So, And thank you for your generosity of your time today and for your friendship. It's always a pleasure. Love you. Thank you. Love Appreciate you. you. Thank you. Stewardship Simplified podcast is provided for general information purposes only and does not offer or constitute personalized financial, investment, tax, or legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from a tax, financial, or legal professional. Mentions of the Church Growth Investment Fund are not an offer to sell nor a solicitation of an offer to buy securities of the Church Growth Investment Fund. Any solicitation of an offer to buy or sell is made solely through and by CJF's offering circular, which you should read carefully before making an investment decision. Offer and sales of these securities will be made only through representatives of the Church Growth Investment Fund. CGIF securities are subject to certain risk factors as described in the offering circular.